0: Episode 127 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going?
1: JP, it is Sunday morning, and I'm really uh, – let me just do this. I'm kind of glad we're doing this now instead of 6 o'clock Saturday evening like we had originally planned because I've I've allowed myself to um, sober up and, and and gain some perspective on yesterday's game.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, as much as doing some immediate reaction is always a good thing. Sometimes it's better to kind of let things sit for a little bit and give us a little bit more time to, a, be a little bit more coherent. Because I, I was a few beers deep at the game as well, and uh, and allows us to kind of you know kind of refresh in our thoughts a little bit.
1: Well, plus you know, drunk in the heat is different than drunk in the air conditioning. Oh, drunk in the heat yeah. is that's some that's some headache head pounding. Angry drunk.
0: I I will say, like, I I, my wife and I went to the game yesterday and it was awesome. Like I I tweeted out, I know it was very uh so generous of Tulsa to let Oklahoma State play a home game in their in their homes in their stadium. But uh yeah, it was brutally hot. I was glad that they sold beer in the stadium because during that second quarter I really needed it. Uh but yeah, the the drive home was not that fun because the the headache was real, a little bit sunburned, but overall, Cowboys won forty to twenty one. I was there for the game. It was a great time. No regrets whatsoever.
1: Yeah. It looked like a good time. It looked like a lot of I mean, other than the second quarter, but we'll talk about talk about that. Uh so where, where do you wanna what do you uh what do you let's start with this. Let's start with a fun topic. Congrats. I believe you were correct on your uniform pick this week.
0: I was, and I believe that is the first time. Other than I'm not gonna count white orange white when they strike the stadium. Like that's too easy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and count that we were correct on either of those. But a white white orange, I believe I saw the stat somewhere. That was the first time Oklahoma State's done that since 2010. In the Alamo Bowl. Really? Yeah. I can't remember who said I wish I could credit the tweet.
1: For white, white, orange? For I white, 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 white,
0: orange since the mm. Alamo Bowl against Arizona in twenty ten.
1: Mm. I'm not sure I believe that, but alright.
0: I'll I'll believe it for now until I look otherwise. But you know, every every hey, everything we see on Twitter is accurate, right? Of course.
1: Uh yeah, it's like we can- leaks and, and everything else on the internet
0: of course but i was very happy when i walked into the stadium i saw the orange pants and then you text me the patriot pete helmet i hadn't seen the tweet yet and i was very excited my wife was like cool i but i was i was very proud of myself on that <laughs> one
1: <laughs> bless uh all wives of sports fans who, who just sit there and like think of it from their perspective like we're grown men are like did you see their helmet like yeah. oh i get it but also
0: yeah well no it was, it was also funny when I'm, I'm trying to break down plays in between and i'm talking to my wife and it's just going in one ear out the other and she's just like uh-huh and i'm like wait why i really need to stop doing this because she might actually hate me on the ride home if i keep doing this
1: <laughs> uh, okay so uh where do we want to start here
0: let's start with the defense I, I want to start here because obviously the second quarter was horrendous as you could tell by the outcry on twitter of everyone wanting jim Knowles burned at the stake uh. and But here's the thing: huge credit to him, the defensive staff, and the players on the field for pitching a shutout in the second half. They made some huge adjustments. They were able to get more pressure on Zach Smith, and they were able to hold. Like I said, they were able to hold Tulsa scoreless. I can't remember the last time Oklahoma State legitimately pitched a shutout against a pretty decent team in at least in a half for that matter. It was a big deal to see that because that game could have gone off the rails very, very quickly. This is the second quarter. They were, we were very thin on the defensive line. Sioni Asi was out. No Israel Antoine still. Brandon Evers was out. So, and there's still no Calvin Bundage as well. But you could tell that they were just gassed. And Shamari Brooks, too, has great. Played a hell of a game. And they were, and they were able to take advantage in that second quarter once the defense started to get really tired. And they were getting put no push on the offense, on the offensive line in the trenches. And Tulsa scored 21 unanswered. And that game could have gone off the rails very quickly. Tulsa could have came out and boat raced us in the second half. The defense didn't allow that to happen. They played a little bit of bend but don't break at times. They were able to get stops when they needed it. They were they dialed up pressure in key moments. That that fourth down uh, blitz, safety blitz from Colby Harvell-Peel was incredible. I love seeing that. Uh, there, there were certain things that I saw. I think we started to see a little more pressure from the linebackers. That took some pressure off the defensive line. And we saw what we did which was no points from Tulsa in the third and fourth quarter.
1: You know, coming into, or out of halftime, if you had told me that the defense would be the deciding factor in the second half, I I, I would have said that OSU lost. Right. Um, that, that was the viewpoint after that second quarter because they were exhausted. Tulsa figured out that they weren't able to swap in guys as much, and Tulsa cranked up the dial on their speed. The speed from Oklahoma State affected Tulsa in the first quarter. Uh, the speed from Tulsa affected Oklahoma State in the second quarter. They were gassed. They were exhausted. That they showed the stat or they showed the thermometer before the game. It was like 120 something degrees on the field it at kickoff. It was
0: 25. It was something crazy.
1: So at that's a kickoff, which means that by the second quarter, it's hotter. The sun is on you. OSU's sideline was in the sun the whole game, like. They were, they were gassed, and when you don't have depth, which has been an issue, and we knew that coming into the season, but they have no depth on the defensive line right now. And if you've got that many guys out, like, I get it. I, I, I absolutely get it. And I know it's frustrating, and I know it's, it stinks, but if, if you're getting mad at Jim Knowles for scheme, that's dumb. Like, I, I don't know a better way to saying it than, look, they came out in the second half, changed their game plan perfectly, executed it well, and they – They figured out how to cover the issues that they had, not they have got to figure out how to get these guys back for next week because you can't just make patchwork stuff with Texas. But as far as this game goes, schematically from a coaching standpoint, they did a great job in the second half. And I, I understand the second quarter, but give Jim Knowles and that defensive staff a lot of credit. They figured it out.
0: Yeah, to be able to make those adjustments in 13 or 14 minutes, and Gund- Gundy said this in his post game for them to go in and for, in 15 minutes make the adjustments, get it to the players, and for them to execute is huge for this team right now, especially with being young in some spots and inexperienced and having depth issues in certain spots. It's massive for this team going forward. I think this is going to be a huge confidence boost for them, and I think if they can take what they did in that third and fourth quarter and translate it to, what, to Austin next week, I feel decent about Oklahoma State's chances. Now, do I think it's going to be a you know – they're not going to pitch a shutout against Texas. They're an extremely good team. But if we can (laughs) see even a fraction of what we saw in the second half, I think we see a decent game from the defensive side of the ball.
1: So I want to stick with defense for a second and and talk about – I have a feeling we're going to look back and say that the – 2018 and 2019 defensive recruiting classes are some of the biggest that Oklahoma State's ever got brought in during Gundy's era. Like um, uh, I understand we don't, it, it, we're bringing in three stars, but their talent evaluation has been insane because you look at the guys in this game who are your top 10 tacklers. We're top 10 tacklers for the game. two, three, You get three sophomores, two redshirt freshmen and a true freshman. There you go. And that does not include Trace Ford. And you don't have to worry about the fact that he only had four tackles. You see him on the field, you know the impact he's having. Right now, the underclassmen are carrying this defense. Aside from like A.J. Green, um, there's there's some juniors that are having a big impact. The only senior that I could say is really impactful for this team right now is A.J. Green and, and, and Williams. Outside of that, it's all freshmen and sophomores and some juniors sprinkled in. That is – it's it's kind of frustrating right now, but that is a good sign moving forward, and and I'm really excited for it. I mean, look, Trace Ford is awesome. Rodriguez is a stud. Peel, yeah, he got burned on that touchdown, or there was a mis, miscue on defense. I don't know, but he came back, and that sack was huge. I just – you look at the guys, the youth on this team, and the talent of the young guys, and it is really impressive. And it's a combination of, of evaluating your talent, looking at the guys, especially these guys locally they're, they're bringing in, and then coaching them up the way they're doing. This We're never going to have Alabama's defense. We're, you're never going to see a, bun, a bunch of five- or four-star defensive players coming in. Um, I know we get frustrated with recruiting, but there aren't many programs that evaluate talent like Oklahoma state does. Yeah. And they have done a hell of a job these last two classes. Cause it's not just that these guys are making an impact because they have to, they're making an impact because they're good enough to.
0: Yes. It's, it's so important to see all these young guys come in and make the early impact. Like, uh, you know, like they have, it's been, it's been so huge for this team. And if they, like if some of these freshmen weren't ready we would be talking about one of the worst defenses in the conference, no doubt about it. Jaden Jernigan came in and did a heck of a job yesterday, despite, albeit the uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, he played; he did fantastic on the defensive line when week one he was getting pushed around like five, five or six yards back from the line of scrimmage against Oregon State. and For him to come in and hold his own against Tulsa, get five tackles. Samala Tuahalamaka, what a great name. Uh, six tackles for him yesterday, stepped in and did a great job, including a, t- a couple tackles for the loss. Colby Har- Colby peels a stud. Like I came into this season and I said that he was going to have a breakout season. Uh, you know and can, you know continue what he did last season. He is he's something special. Malcolm Rodriguez has made a seamless transition to linebacker. I, I think he stays there for the rest of the season. Even when Bundage comes back, we saw Devin Harper suit up yesterday. I don't think he played, but that shows me that he's at least a week away, and we see him likely against Texas. But that just adds in another linebacker there, so. We, there there are some flashes from the defense of what we saw yesterday, especially in that second half of what this defense can be and the trajectory of what this team can be, because I think they're extremely important uh, moving forward.
1: I don't. Everyone I, keeps talking about whether Rodriguez is going to move back this season. I don't think he's moving back at all. No. I think he's staying a linebacker because you look at the linebacker for next year, yeah. you need him. Yes. Like I'm sure they have some young guys who are going to rise up. Like, I think he's. this is where he is now. And as impressive as as impressive as he has been at safety, he's I think even more so at linebacker.
0: I agree. Yeah,
1: this is your first season playing the position. Just think of of I'm curious to see how he looks not just at the end of this season, but next season as well. I he's he's a linebacker for Oklahoma State now because they continue to bring in new safeties. The safeties are playing well. They don't need him at safety. Yeah. Not saying he's not awesome safety, but they don't need him at safety as much as they do at linebacker moving forward. And especially with a defensive line that has the issues it has that may that puts more pressure on on your linebackers as good as he is they need him at linebacker and he has delivered
0: yes i agree going back to colby harvell peel for just a second i was sitting there watching the game and the way he plays downhill am i crazy to think he he reminds me a ton of Dayton lowe
1: from those 2010-2011 teams good comparison
0: yeah that good just downhill runner can play good in coverage but it just downhill and just lays the wood on people I think he was I think Dave, if I remember right Dayton Lowe was a leading tackler on that 2011 team he just reminds me of that type i'm not, of I don't
1: I'm not sure you're I, don't, I can't argue with you because I don't I don't remember if he was or not but i I remember him being a stud
0: yeah I, I was just when I was watching the game yesterday he was that was the one that came to mind for me
1: yeah no right. it's a good comparison
0: all right before we move into the offense we'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor. All right, now we're back, and there's a lot to unpack with what we saw offensively yesterday. Some good, some bad, um, but Philip, uh, what what were some? What was your biggest positive takeaway from the game yesterday?
1: All the praise that's being heaped on Chuba is incredibly deserved.
0: Yes, Chuba Chuba Choo
1: Before the season, before the yeah, that, it is Chuba Choo, Choo That's our new hashtag, uh, Chuba Choo Choo. Uh, before the season, I went on the. Um, uh, the Longhorn Republic podcast. And and they asked me who, what is the bigger impact higher for the season? Well, oh, usually that one or the OU show I went on. I forget which one either way. And I was asked, what is the bigger impact higher for the season? Was it Sean Gleason or was it Charlie Dickey? And I, I came away saying it was Dickey. I stand here right now and say, I, I not only continue to believe that I now absolutely know There may not have been a more impactful hire in the Big 12 assistant-wise than Charlie Dickey was for Oklahoma State. As good as Chuba is, and this isn't taking anything away from Chuba, we haven't seen an offensive line this good in quite some time. Oh, my goodness. Part of that is the emphasis on recruiting that they had. Um, Shout-out to Henson for for helping get some of the guys that are in here. Shout-out to Henson for doing a better job on the recruiting trail and getting all these guys, but this offensive line – even, even in one year, Dickey has made that big of an impact. Chuba is awesome, and I and he, you could say that he's better than Justice Hill. But Justice Hill never had a run uh, an offensive line playing this well to run behind. <laughs> Can
0: you imagine Justice Hill Maybe. behind this offensive line?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! But that makes me wonder. Like, oh my gosh, last year, Chuba is amazing. Yeah. And he has a, he finally has a good offensive line at Oklahoma State to run behind. This is, this is year one for Dickey. He hasn't even got like his guys he's recruited in. He is, I, I'm, I'm, I am so excited for how good this offensive line. Look, Tulsa is a, is a good defense. Like it's a, that was a legitimate defensive test. And we can talk about it being Tulsa all day. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. The offensive line did a great job. Yes. A great job.
0: Yeah. When uh, I said, I believe at the beginning of the podcast, the, my wife and I were sitting in the end zone where Chuba scored that first touchdown. So we're looking, I'm looking at the offensive line you know, and looking at the play and I just, you saw the hole open up for Chuba and it, everyone was blocked and it was him one-on-one with the safety. Chuba's going to win that every single time. And it, it was off into the races. And then on his second touchdown, another wide open hole I could run through. He could run a Mack truck through some of these. Like the offensive line ha- play has been incredible. Being able to keep Spencer Sanders upright, being able to break these holes for Chuba to run through. It's something special. And he said, this is year one with Charlie Dickey. Once he gets his guys in there, coupled with the guys that Josh Henson was able to bring in, man, we're looking at probably a team that's going to have one of the top 3 offensive lines in the Big 12 for years to come. As long as Charlie Dickey's here, Oklahoma State's going to have a damn good offensive line.
1: I mean, that used to be a staple of gundy teams. Yes, it was. When Wickline was here, Oklahoma State consistently had one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12 year in and year out. It was I mean, it was it was huge for the program to grow the way it did. And they've struggled in that spot and they've gone through coaches and I feel like they've finally found a guy you know, I really thought Henson would be the guy because he was from OSU. He, he would have some loyalty. And I get why he left. You're talking about a new offensive uh, line coach who stayed with Snyder for years out of loyalty, coached the heck out of those guys, and is now at OSU at a place where the current head coach had tried to poach him multiple times, didn't get him. I just, Dickie's not a guy who's looking to go be an OC. He's he's very happy with himself in his career at this point. So I feel like he's a guy Who's going to be here for quite a while, and that makes me very happy. And three games in, I could not be happier about it. Like this is, this is big, because if Oklahoma State can get back to having the offensive line play it had during those 2010, 2011, nine, eight years, look out.
0: Yeah. No. Oh my goodness. Back. We can get back to what we saw with Line in those years. Oh my God. Um. Let's. I'm going to move on to Tylen Wallace really quick. I'm still not convinced he's human. Like that. That so that, go go to make your point here. I know I know you got a point to bring with that I wanted to segue into Tylen Wallace because man, he's something special.
1: No, let's talk Tylen Wallace. Let's talk about the fact that Tulsa. You know what? Let's let's give Tulsa some credit. Yeah. Um Tulsa finally figured out how to stop Tylen Wallace.
0: It's, it's pass interference. Yeah. It's, it, it is grab him, mug him, and just take the fifteen yards.
1: You're like, I will take fifteen yards over seventy yards and a touchdown. I I believe every time they
0: there were four pass interference called. On him, The one was declined on the 90-yard touchdown, so that's 45 yards in penalties just on not letting Tylen Wallace touch the ball. And now, granted, there were also some great plays by the corners in there because Spencer Sanders did throw some good one-on-one jump ball throws for him, and the defense made a great play. So you take credit where credit is due, their secondary did play well overall against Tylan, but I think it was R.J. Young from the franchise in one of his takeaways from the game said, "Tylen Wallace is just like Kane. Just give it time. It's going to work. And then we saw that 90 yard touchdown, and there it was.
1: So I appreciate the praise for Sanders on the jump balls, but here's my problem with it. I know he can get the jump balls, and I know in one on one situations he can win. I mean, we've seen him make amazing catches when it's two on one. But why do we can why are we forcing him to to play that way when so often he was ready? If you put the ball in front of him so that he goes to get it, he's going to go get it instead of having to stop, come back, slow down, and letting the DB catch him to fight for those balls. Yeah, like some of those pass interference ones were because the ball was underthrown. Was underthrown. He had yeah. to come back for it. Yeah, I, think I know that's Sanders just... has a cannon, dude. You put it. the ball out in front of him and let him go get it because yeah. those should have been touchdowns, yeah. not him getting pass interference.
0: Yeah. All right. Now I want to move to Spencer Sanders for just a second, just because I think this ties in with Wallace a little bit. You know, we knew going into this season, if they were going to go with Sanders, we were going to see him play like a freshman at times. And overall, Mm -hmm. I have been impressed. He's been very for the other than really that second quarter where Gundy said he really got kind of flustered and frustrated. He's been solid, even keel and just goes out and plays his game. Um, we saw him play like a freshman at times yesterday, but we also saw flashes of him not. You know what I, you know what I'm talking about? So the no, interception. So the interception, I don't think was a bad read. I think he made the right read to Landon Wolf. It was a, it was pretty, you know, it was good coverage, good layered coverage by Tulsa, but the ball was just slightly underthrown. You get a pick. He puts the ball on the ground off a, a busted mesh point with Chuba. He makes some throws, you know, he underthrows, throws, doesn't recognize covers. There were, there were some things yesterday that he really needs to clean up soon, but we all knew going into this season that we were going to see things like this, if you go with Spencer Sanders as your starter. But then you see the play, like uh, him recognizing the house blitz, calls his own number, and we see a 27-yard touchdown run. I can't remember the last time that I've seen someone this dynamic, at quarterback, being able to run the ball like this, like he can. It's special. So we saw kind of the Jekyll and Hyde of what we're going to see with Spencer Sanders at times this season. But I think moving forward, we're going to see more good than bad because he seems to have adjusted to the college game extremely well. It's just refining just some little things. And if he can learn to trust his arm and throw that ball deep, get it out in front of Tylen Wallace, then we're going to be in for something special this
1: season. Yeah, look, I, we knew there'd be growing pains that's going to be part of it, and, and long-term that's... Good for the team. I'm not saying we need to pull in Drew Brown. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying let's make the switch. I did um, see some people be, doing
0: that yesterday, and I'm like, you, and it was the same people. That, and it was the same people that wanted Spencer Sanders and were giving us shit for wanting Drew Brown to be the starting quarterback. So yeah, like, we are on this train. Let's all enjoy the ride.
1: Those people don't count. No. Nope. Um. But you see the things, the things that he can do with his legs. OSU has not. I mean, we've had guys that can run. J.W. Walsh could run. Cornelius could run. We have not had somebody as dynamic athletically in the run game as he was. And I don't know why they decided they just weren't going to run him at all. <laughs> it seemed like think- we were going to run him too much against McNeese, and we really don't want to do it against Tolson. It's like, okay, well, that would help. But
0: yeah. So I his think-
1: legs were a I – mean, he kind of saved the game on his legs with some of those yes, plays. Yes, he did.
0: Yes, he did. I think so. I I was I listened to Gundy's post game press conference where I went to bed last night, and they were he was at they were asking about the defense and why you know we saw almost I I made the joke that it was like the Dax Garmin offense of just throw nine yard no throw nines the whole game, but he said they were playing press all or nothing sort of defense where there was no safety help over the top, so they were getting one on ones and you might as well go for it. So from that perspective, I understand it, Uh, and that's probably why we didn't see a ton of Spencer Sanders running because. I think they were they were spying him with a linebacker, and so even as fast as he is, that linebacker scrapes across. You know that read is not going to be there. So I think they really they did a good job of taking what the defense was giving them and making the game plan work accordingly, and it did at times. I I would like to see some more throws over the middle at some point, but this is my question. I wonder, and we talked about this yesterday when we were talking during the game. I wonder if we're not seeing throws over the middle because it's a scheme thing with the Sean Gleason offense and we're seeing pretty much throws outside the hashes exclusively or it's just trying to work Spencer Sanders in little by little and we see it more as the season goes on. I wish I, I knew. Probably the a little bit of A that,
1: and B. I think, I, I think it's a little of bit of a, a and B. Look, this offense has been... I hate using the term vanilla because it's insulting to the word to, to the flavor of vanilla because vanilla is really good. <laughs> um, but this has been very simple. Yeah. Um The def- I, Look, because I, I, I was I had friends who were like, why did we stop running the ball? I'm like, because they're loading up to stop Chuba. Like yeah. Chuba gutted them, so they said, okay, well we're going to stop Chuba and now. Beat us with the pass, and you couldn't for the second quarter, and and that's that's what happened because Sanders was off. But I think they're still keeping last last year. They just opened the books and threw everything at Boise State to beat Boise State. And I think it kind of came back to bite them the next week when they got housed by Texas Tech. Part of it was that it was just the way that team was last year. But that is, I think, a big impact on why they struggle against Texas Tech. They showed it their hand. Um, and I really think that they think that same way, and they're trying to hold as much back for Texas as they can. They know they can win playing vanilla. I mean, it, it, it could have cost them yesterday, but – they they want to keep things simple. Part of it also is, Sanders is still a freshman. You you don't want to put too much on his shoulders. And if look if they're if you're going to let Tyland go out there one on one with it with a defensive back and and look, props to Tulsa's defensive backs. They did a really good job. They had a, they played really well. Like I I know part of it was some Wallace having to come back for passes, but those DBs played really well. They stayed on those guys, um, and I and I want to give them full credit for it, but. I mean, I think at this point, I'm just ready to see what this offense looks like next week because we haven't, we still haven't seen the cowboy backs used like at all. Yeah has has Jelani Woods even been targeted once? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think um, so. And he
0: was open a couple times yesterday. So I, I'm hoping so, that we see that as just another dynamic. I think that's where we start seeing those throws over the middle. is just a little pop pass to the tight end. Just something simple. I, I just want to see like our simple crossing route or something. I think we see it more as the season goes on. I, I I pose the question, but I the more I think about it, I think it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I think the scheme right now of throwing outside the hashes and getting the ball in the, you know, playmakers' hands in one on one situations, I think is working effectively. But I also think it's also just a comfort level for Sanders of let's just make these throws, high percentage throws, you know, pretty, you know, short five to seven yard routes. You know the occasional deep ball, and let's just keep moving the ball in chunk plays and get it to our best player, Chuba Hubbard. Let let's just get him the ball and let's go. Yeah. Uh, but I will say on the Talon Wallace 90 yard touchdown, I love seeing him in the slot there. That was a great yes. move to get him open. And it's funny because I looked at my wife right before that play because they were backed up on like the on the 10 yard line, and I I saw Talon. I went Talon's in the slot. I wonder if that like I wonder how they're going to get him open here. Sure as shit, he gets a 90 yard touchdown right on that play.
1: If they start, they're going to use that moving forward, and that is nuts because they're going to. it's going to work, and they're going to do that sometimes just to mess with people, and they're not even going to look at him. No, like that is ooh, that's fun. That, like, that was my favorite creativity. thing.
0: That was my favorite thing that Sean Gleason did yesterday. We we might just need to start running the because uh, we talked about the the screenplay in the fir- in the um in the first game, and then the couple little design runs for Sanders yesterday, moving Shuba out. And with an empty backfield, and then the slot fade. We're just going to start running the Sean Gleason play of the game. Just yeah. Because I mean, that's, yeah. But no, I, I think what we what we saw yesterday, there, there was some good, there was a lot of bad, but I think what we saw was a team that didn't quit. And because that, like I said about the defense, that game could have gone off the rails super quickly, and Oklahoma State didn't allow that to happen. And I love that resiliency. That reminds me a ton of those Mason Rudolph teams with Oklahoma state where they never felt like they were down and they found ways to get back into games and win those one possession games. And Oklahoma state found a way to rally and they, the offense was good enough when it needed to be. The defense was good when it needed to be. And they won a game on the road. That was somewhat of a home game.
1: I will say this, this was good for OSU. Yes. They haven't really struggled. Like I know Oregon state put up points, but OSU got that lead quick and then never looked back to have OSU. To come out, smash Tulsa in the mouth, Tulsa to fight back and take the lead before halftime. And then to to have the issues and the struggles they had in this game, heading into Texas, I think that was big. I, I think they needed to have this kind of wake up call because they never had this last year in the in the preseason or in the in non conference. I like my team to get hit in the mouth and have to come back once before they go to face the, the tough part of their schedule. And I would much rather it happen against Tulsa than on the road at t- Texas you know I, I wouldn't want okay they've looked great and then oh the first time they're actually tested and have to figure out how to overcome some stuff is against you know the Longhorns in Austin I'm glad it happened this game I think this will help them next week and I think they can take a lot away from this to learn from and, I, and I'm i happy about it especially considering Texas is already lost Yeah, they know what that feels like um, you don't want to go in there feeling high and mighty because you, you're you 3-0 and you weren't you, you know you beat everyone badly I'm I'm really glad that that happened. I think that can have a huge impact for this team moving forward. So um, I'm a I'm a bit of a stats junkie, and uh, I think yeah. I think each week we're going to start throwing out the um, uh, I don't want to call it a useless stat. It's more of a just. Here's the thing with stats: stats can be very useful and interesting. They can also, out of context, not mean anything. Right. Um, so my interesting stat for this week is this: so Spencer Sanders. Through his first interception, it took 48 passes before he did. He threw it on his 49th. Um, that is the the most passes without an interception from the from the first one at OSU. The first let's put this that's the most passes before their first interception for an Oklahoma State Cowboys since Brandon Whedon through 76 before he threw his first interception. Okay. Okay. that includes here's here's all the other guys who have played quarterback. Moving in. Well, except I forgot to put Garmin in here. Um, oh boy. But I don't, it's fine. So How Garmin's you forget Garmin. off. forget Dax Garmin. He's off the board. Um, but for the rest of them, it's thirty-one, zero, five, nine, and thirteen.
0: Okay. So am I trying to find out the
1: thirty-one? Who do you think? So, so from the, the standpoint of Brandon Whedon, that's yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Whedon was awesome. So this is potentially a really good thing that he's had this many. Who do you think thirty-one was?
0: Was it Rudolph?
1: Nope. Rudolph went
0: nine. Oh, right, because he played that bail. I was thinking uh twenty fifteen, not fourteen. Uh, let's see. Man. I'm trying to go back through. Uh Zach Robinson.
1: No, this is this is between Whedon and now. Oh, so. between
0: Whedon and now. Okay, I'm tracking. Yeah.
1: I'm tracking. Since Whedon, not before Whedon.
0: Um JW Walsh.
1: No, it, it was his was zero.
0: Oh, his was Literally zero. His
1: very first pass at Oklahoma State was picked off.
0: Yikes. So then shit, that would be have to be. Oh, West Lunt. Yes. There it is.
1: West Lunt went 31 passes before he threw his first pick. And and the reason I, I find this stat interesting is this. If it's if you just state it as the most since Whedon, oh well, Whedon was awesome. So that that's a, probably a good stat. That means something good. And well, Lunt went 31. And while That's less than forty-eight. Lunt went thirty-one, and and what happened with Lunt? So stats out of context can mean nothing. Like this could mean nothing. Yeah, I I think he's thrown some passes that that could have been picked off against better defenses, but it is something where I look at and go, okay. I mean, Rudolph, Rudolph, Randolph, Rudolph went nine. And look how good Rudolph was. So again, but it's interesting. I just I don't know why, but uh, I I'm I'm curious if he can kind of keep that trend up of more often than not not getting picked.
0: Yeah, uh, I I think you know he like I said he has thrown some balls that I think against better defenses would be picked off, but he's also done a good job of throwing the ball away when he needs to. I I think overall he's been extremely effective. And I think I think somewhere I can't remember where I, I might need to look up this stat. Um, actually, give me a second. Yeah, so I was so I just went and looked this up really quick, and I believe if I'm looking at this right, Spencer Sanders has a total QBR quarterback rating, you know, zero to one hundred on ESPN, of seventy eight point one through three games. That's nineteenth in college football, and that's the best among any freshman quarterback. So I think that shows that's a, that's a pretty good perspective of how good he has been and how effective he has been, and we'll see if that's sustainable moving forward. If he can stay in that top twenty to thirty as a freshman, shit, we're looking at someone really special here.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree.
0: All right, any final thoughts for you on this one, Philip?
1: Man, um, next week's big prime time. Really big, it's you know it's the first conference game. There's only two conference games next week, and they're. Like polar opposites.
0: Um, oh, it's West Virginia, Kansas.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you know what? You know what my final thought is. Right, Bravo, going? Bravo, Big Twelve. Yes. Kansas goes on the road, beats Boston College, and I mean beats Boston College. West Virginia hosts North Carolina State, beats North Carolina State. Kansas State goes on the road. Um, Kansas State is not who we thought they were to begin the season. Ooh. They are legit. I know Mississippi State's not great, but you don't go to Mississippi State and play the game they played and not be good. Like that's not a fluke. Kansas State's going to cause some problems in the Big 12 this year. Like I that that's your that's your dark horse, not dark horse, but that's the surprise team. And we've already figured it out three weeks in. That's your surprise team for this season. Kansas State's legit. Um obviously OSU going on the road, getting their win. Texas going into Houston, facing Rice, beating them soundly. Oklahoma heading on the road to UCLA and thumping UCLA. It was a it was a it was a good weekend for the Big 12. Texas Tech. I don't even know. Like I don't, I don't. Texas Tech fans are frustrated and upset, and I get it. They went to Arizona and lost again. They they probably could have won. It's a weird game. I felt I couldn't make it through the whole thing. I only watched the first half. I'm sorry. Um, Iowa State. Oh, just just go winless. Like I don't I don't have time for you. Your inability to beat Iowa and then coming to the Big Twelve and and trying to be the third best team. Like I don't have time for that. Like what, get what get out of
0: here. What a brutal way to lose too.
1: Oh my. Gosh,
0: what a brutal, just, brutal!
1: You get the, you're gonna get the ball back with a shot to go down, and you, oh my, I don't even. If you haven't seen that play, Iowa State guy, yeah, own player, runs into the pass, runs into the guy ready to catch the punt, and it bounces off of his back, and Iowa recovers, and the game is over. They had a minute and a half left. They could have marched down the field, kicked a field goal to win. You're down by one point. I just, How I've never seen that in my life. Is that? This was oh, a weird weekend of football. I watched the end of that Michigan State, uh, Arizona State game where Michigan State kicks the game tying field goal, but they had 12 men on the field. So they had to re kick five yards back and he just completely hooks it. This was a weird weekend of college football. It was glorious. Uh, and I think the Big 12, for the most part, outside of Iowa, Iowa State, came out of it looking pretty good. I mean, honestly. Yeah.
0: I mean,. I, I'm all yeah, for no, I weird feel, I'm I, all for weird college football other than when Oklahoma State plays. I need nothing weird there. But anywhere else in college football I'm perfectly content with. Chaos, yeah, of, weird, whatever.
1: We had weird. We had twelve men on the field for some I don't. I I don't uh. I'll be
0: honest, that was the first time I've ever seen that as a reviewable play. I know it's been a reviewable play forever. That was the first time i would ever seen it. So I was very confused when they when they went and reviewed that, but I get it.
1: Yeah. Well this is that was the thing with the Michigan State Arizona State game. Like I yeah. literally flipped over to that one. And they went and reviewed it and, yep, count them, one, two, three. I was just like, I'm just having the weirdest case of deja vu for something <laughs> I've never seen before that's now happened twice in one day. That's weird. It was a weird weekend. It was a wonderful weekend of college football. Um, and I'm super psyched to have Thursday night games back for college yes. football because uh, Thursday NFL games are not, not good. They're, they're Although awful. I'm still – I'm ready for some action on uh, kind of Tuesday.
0: Yes. I I, I need I need some Tuesday night action here coming soon. That, that starts, well, middle of October? Yeah. Like that awesome. Or we're, we're there, we're, we're in full swing in college football. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter?
1: I follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. Um, I do tweet during games. I also, I don't know, just follow. Like I'm trying to hit a thousand followers. I know it sounds stupid, but just do it.
0: You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at CowboysRFF. And we will be back midweek to preview the game against Texas in Austin. We will talk to you all.